like maybe an outlet that hasn't worked for years or a light that flickers, you know, uh, is there anything that you have any concerns or anything that isn't working that I should be aware of? And so like when I bring that up, even if they've forgotten about it, it jogs their memory. Like, oh yeah, we have that outlet over in that room. That hasn't worked for years, you know? Um, and so like I'm initiating that thought process and I'm bringing that up versus finding it on the back end and then being like, oh yeah, we, we've never worried about that. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you once again, and we're excited to bring to you another two-part episode. This time, we're going to be focusing in on the electrical safety inspection. But for those of you who are interested in more, these concepts will be universal in terms of dealing with plumbing inspections and HVAC inspections as well. And we are excited to invite back to the show for his three-peat and first-time two-part episode, Mr. James Melliner. He will be joining us to talk about his expertise and how he has somewhere managed to track to $2.8 million in inspections. But before we do that, we're going to break down the ideas for you ourselves and turn to Brian for our quote. There are no limits to what you can accomplish, except the limits you place on your own thinking. Brian Tracy. Okay. Had to be a Brian Tracy quote for a straight, this is basically just a straight up selling episode, you know? It is. It is well, both episodes. Wait till you see who's next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tom Hopkins. I'm just going to tell you. It's Tom Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> episode... 107. No, no, I mean Tom Hopkins' episode on the Waste No Day podcast. That was probably in the 30s. Yeah. That's good. That goes back a ways. Yeah. All right. We'll get that worked out. <laughs> well, in the meantime, what we'd like to work out here is the general principles of what we're talking about today, and that is the inspection. Now, many of you in the trades, uh, whether you're HVAC tech, a plumber, or an electrician, uh, or familiar with the concept of a tune-up or a maintenance or an inspection. And yet, what is your perspective of it? Is it valuable? Is there worth to it? Or do you just pass it off as something that gets done when nothing else is going wrong? Oh, man. That is the mindset of so many people in the industry, is that to open the iPad or whatever and see a maintenance call pop up, you just think, Oh, we had a little schedule to fill. So let me go knock this thing out and hope there's a no cool leaking water heater, you know, water in the panel, whatever next. Really doing yourself a disservice there. Right. And and that type of mentality is uh, one of the things we want to kind of contend against in this episode because there is a lot of value, specifically $2.8 million of value in Jamie's case to taking these seriously. million he's on track for. Residential service 
100% maintenance calls. He doesn't even want any other kind of calls. He likes to go in. He has his process down. He knows what exact conversations he's having with the client. And, uh, you know, he's, I don't know what he is, probably sells something on half of his calls. But when you're running maintenance calls, <clears throat> you can run four or five in a day, and they're not very difficult to find. Now, if you're a one-man electrical shop or two-truck shop or whatever, and you don't have a ton of clients, maintenance calls aren't falling out of the tree. But if you're if you're an electrical division that has an HVAC division, well, there's just a whole market of people who have probably never had an electrician at their house and you can offer a complimentary inspection to. And really even the concept of uh, electrical inspection is, you know, for some people probably foreign. I mean, if I had to rank them in terms of popularity, obviously HVAC has cornered the market on annual maintenance. Uh, it's just kind of built in. When you buy as a piece of equipment, you are expected to get it tuned up or maintained once or twice a year. And I think even plumbing has a little bit, uh, maybe coming in at number two there with uh, <clears throat> the water heater piece and getting it flushed and you know just doing a check on the emergency shutoffs and stuff. But the electrical safety inspection, I think, is, is one of those ideas that has not really taken hold. In fact, our personal experience is that many of our clients don't even understand necessarily what it is or the value of what it brings. And so that's problem number one, the educational piece. Once you get over that, there is really so much to be offered and taken advantage of by a client uh, in the home when they are feeling more peace of mind because they know whatever is laying behind the walls, whatever the wires are, the outlets, receptacles, all the things that are just kind of annoying that they don't ever deal with, not to mention any type of significant safety hazards have been addressed. And they feel much better about knowing that their system is working as it is supposed to. And I don't think it's that much of a jump to translate from the HVAC maintenance mindset into the other trades. And that's something that I think as a whole, the trades needs to focus on and continue developing. And if you are one of those one or two man shops that Brian has been, Brian mentioned there, uh, this is something that I think you should absolutely be investing in. It is a great way to not only retain your clients in terms of continuing to build value year over year, but it also helps you in the shoulder seasons or whatever downturns that your business ebb and flow has. It gives you the opportunity to kind of fill in some of those gaps. And of course, as you're going to find out here with our conversation with Jamie, there is also significant value to be had in your business as well. I want to apologize up front because I've got, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with me. It's a little cold or something. Allergies. I don't know. Throat's a little raspy for this. Um, but I wanted to read a recent review from Electrical, I guess, Contractor. It kind of cuts the name in half on the, on the Apple podcast. He said, from tech to owner, hands down, one of the best podcasts I've ever heard if you're in the home service space. Well, let's just remove that if you're in the home service space part because it's just one of the best podcasts out there. Come on. Is that in the review? Knock that off. Sorry. Back to quote. I got started in the trades in 2003 with my dad. I've run thousands of calls in my career and am the CEO of an electrical shop. 
I have a lot of sales experience, and this podcast is such a wealth of knowledge and resource to techs running calls, service managers, and owners. I listen to it religiously and highly recommend this podcast. Five star. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Electric. (laughs) Awesome review. Mr. Electric. (laughs) That is awesome. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that. And of course, uh, we hope that we continue to deliver on that promise. And we're going to do that right now without further ado by putting Mr. James Mellinger in your passenger seat. Our guest today is James Mellinger. He joins us for the third time to be on our podcast. James, or Jamie as we affectionately call him around here, is a service electrician with Mr. Sparky Electric in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He came out of high school and tried to get into the trades through a family connection, eventually taking an apprenticeship class and learning the skills. Originally, he joined us on the HVAC side and eventually transferred over into the sister company, Mr. Sparky, where he found his niche in the service industry. As a self-proclaimed amateur in the selling communications, James graduated the School of Hard Knocks to eventually become one of the highest producing panel sales electricians in the nation. Today, James joins us to share about his ideas of the electrical and safety inspection, and we are excited to welcome to the show. Welcome here, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you. Again. Again. Yeah. Third time's a charm, baby. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys. Why would we have one service tech on three times out of a year and a half of episodes uh is it because we're out of guests where's the cricket sound (laughs) no it's because jamie continues to break records continues to do things that we don't see i mean you know we're in a network with what 200 and something uh residential residential service electrical companies and nobody does what jamie does He's tracking 2.8 million in revenue this year with 100% maintenance calls. Yeah. Zero service calls, Freakish. zero estimates. Freakish. Maintenance only, tracking 2.8 million in 2022 in the quote unquote recession where all the other techs tell us nonstop people just don't want to spend money right now. Truly an anomaly, Jamie, and that's why we wanted to have you back on the show today to really understand what is it that makes you tick and this entire process work, because I feel like there's going to be a, quite a few doubters that say that it can't be real. Yeah, um, it, it's really just been sticking to a process that we've seen work um, and just doubling down on the fact of like continuously getting better, focusing on you know, where I'm putting my training, my timing, my effort. Um, a big thing with the maintenance is, is it, it starts with your outlook on it. You know, I think in the trades, most people look at a maintenance of like, ha, just go in and get it done. Like I, they're, they're a waste of time. Um, and so if that's how you're looking at it, you're never going to get anything more out of it than that. Um, so the heart of where it starts is you got to change your, change your thought process. And, and sometimes all that takes is someone doing it better than what you're doing it. Um, you know, kind of what, who was the guy that broke the four minute mile or whatever it was, Yeah. you know, after he did that, how Eric, many other people followed Eric Banner? I think. Yeah. Um, huh. no, that was, uh, isn't that the incredible Hulk? That's Bruce Banner. <laughs> I believe you're right on that. Yeah. yeah no. What, what was his name? Uh, 
I have no idea. We could look at Roger up. Bannister. I was close. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like he was a rapper. No, that was David Banner. Sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, where were we? Yeah, it, it all just goes back to you got to change your thought process of the way you look at the maintenance. Uh, and the way that I, I personally view a maintenance is someone is literally asking you to come in and make sure their entire home is running properly and most efficiently and is safe, specifically with an electrical stuff. Uh, the same thing applies to plumbing or HVAC. Like they are literally inviting you in to go through their system. I don't know what gets better than that. It's what we call a paradigm shift, Jamie, uh, where the same thing is occurring, but people are looking at it from different angles. Yeah. And that makes all the difference in the world. And before uh, we lose too many people to, uh, well, this is just another electrician. The concepts that we're going to be talking about today are universal. So whether you're an HVAC tech doing your AC and furnace and heating tune-ups, or whether you're a plumber doing the, the water heater flush and the kind of the general once over the whole plumbing system, uh, these, these ideas, these strategies, these uh, conversation points, they are universal for what is taking place in the home, which is basically a safety check, a, a condition check, a health report, you name it. Uh, the same idea is going on, and that's what we're excited to jump into today. But before we do that, it has been um, well over a year since you've been on the podcast, and we've gained quite a few listeners since then. And yep. for the sake of them, and perhaps a reintroduction for those who are already a little familiar with you, why don't you tell us how you got into the trades and what's your story? Yeah, um, so we can dive in as deep as you want with that, but uh, started in 2010, um, graduating high school, started working for an electrical contractor, doing commercial industrial work, uh, went through the apprenticeship program starting there. So yeah, right out of high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, my family had been in the trades, so kind of figured we'll start there and see what I want to do till I figure out actually what I want to do with my life. Um, so did that for a little bit. From that point, went back to school uh, for electrical engineering and pretty, pretty quickly found out that like, sitting behind a desk is not for me. That's um, just that style of work. It just wasn't what I wanted out of life. And so when we started looking, I got an opportunity to come work for the one hour guys. Um, it was, I interviewed uh, for electrical, but they had no spot open for electrical at the time. Um, they kind of gave me a couple options of I could either, <laughs> going back to options, uh, I could start now and just work in the HVAC department. I could you know, wait until they had something up, open up, or I could go look somewhere else. Um, and I knew this is the company I wanted to be at from what the research I had done. And so I decided I'm going to get started here, worked for one hour install uh, for about three, four months. And they ended up having enough of work and slots opened up in the electrical side. So I made my transition over uh, at that point. That was, that was a pretty tough time for me because I was tossed right into a truck uh, we don't have the type of training that we have here now. Uh, so it was basically, I'm on call, I'm running everything. I'm having to learn pricing. I'm having to learn how to communicate with clients. I'm having to learn the electrical trade still at that point. Um, so that first year, year and a half, there was a lot of growing pains. Um, but I'm stronger because of it. I mean, came out of that real well. Um, yeah. Uh, fortunate for both of us, uh, I believe, in terms of the company and yourself. And uh, 
So that has been quite the journey in getting to where you are now. And you mentioned that uh, our training and the things that we do to onboard people is a little different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're happy we've <laughs> made some evolution there. Uh, it's been way better. How long were you here before you switched over to like a selling mindset? That was three years. So you were here apprenticing I'm, for... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't even really call it apprenticing because I was tossed right out into a truck. Nice. I love uh, it. Throw them to the wolves, baby. That, that That's literally how I felt. Um, I mean, I was up for the challenge. It wasn't like I was doing something that like I was forced to do or anything. The opportunity came up, and but I had a lot of electrical skill that I needed to learn to even feel sound in that. So my first year and a half, uh, maybe even two years, like the the gut-wrenching feeling of going to the client's house was not of dealing with a client. It was whether or not I could figure out the electrical work. Mm-hmm. Um, once I felt really comfortable with that, I, I would say probably two years into this company, that's where I really shifted my focus to it, the relational, the people, and getting better at that part of the, the trade and the craft. That is a good point to make that until you're pretty confident in your ability, it is hard to to transition into someone who's looking for the opportunity to upgrade someone's system and, and show the elective options and because you're just worried about, you know, doing a good job wiring a switch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's the next evolution in that that craft and that, that training. I mean, now mind you, when I got here, I'd had about two years of experience. Um, but that was commercial, industrial, pulling wiring, doing solar. That was not troubleshooting. That was not, you know, diagnosing a three-way not working. Uh, it wasn't learning how. It, none of it was residential. So it was the, the diagnosing and figuring out what was going wrong that took, it just took time. Yeah. Um, so I would say about two years, give or take. And then at that point, that's when I really started to realize, like, I enjoyed the whole next level end of things. Um, and it wasn't long after that that you started being involved with Sparky on a much more um, focused level. That's, was that when I started managing Sparky or, yeah. or the training? Uh, so... Maybe you were training earlier before that. Maybe that was just the time where I was still focusing so hard on. I didn't train much before I managed to park. I mean, it was rare that I was in front of the Sparky Techs. Yeah, and if it was at all, most of it was really Matt on Wednesday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, that like I soaked that up. Like I wanted more of that. I remember yeah. when I started with install, going back to that point, like our meetings with Matt, the installers weren't weren't in it. They were loading up and rolling. And I was so jealous of the service techs because I wanted that training. Yeah, I remember the first time he did the seven habits of highly effective people. He just went through the seven habits and seven Wednesdays. It was like, it was revolutionary. Yeah. And it was a completely different thing than we had ever seen before. Yeah. And I was, I don't think I was in a truck for that first time. I was in management, but I was just, I'd sit in, in the audience, like one of the techs, like, wow, this is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Going back, my, my remembrance of when you really got involved was when you took over Sparky. Mm. So whenever Heard that was. Heard a funny story about that recently. About me despising that? <laughs> about maybe something you had said to your wife. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm pretty open about it. I mean, going up to that point, um, I had sworn that I would never work for you. 
it, it goes back to the crap that people say, you know, the, the, the weak people that are like, you're just going to be grumpy about everything. I had really no interaction with you. I had no reason to believe that besides one or two guys that were just, they didn't like, they wanted to coast through life. They didn't want any accountability. They just wanted to be grumpy about everything. Um, so I remember, <laughs> I, I can picture it perfectly. We were down in the little sparky room at that point where there was three of us. Scott, the manager at that time um, of Sparky, came in and said that you guys were taking over Mr. Sparky. And the gut-wrenching feeling I had in my stomach, I went home, I was like, babe, I'm going to have to quit. Like, we've got to get a resume together. Like, swore I'd never work for Brian. It was within a week that I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I was so wrong. Like, I really had never had a whole lot of interaction with you, but, like, it, it did not take long at all to realize that, like, you just freaking cared. You just wanted to see people get better. Um, it wasn't this idea of like, you know, boss cracking down on somebody. It was that of a mentor that, that cared. Um, yeah, it, it just goes to show how easy it is to roll into like a weak mindset of just, you know, complaining. You'll, you'll find something negative or make one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I had just, you know, I'd come from, I think, $38,000 was my best year in my plumbing truck in Michigan. And that was just at a mom and pop shop where you, they were trying to get you to eight calls a day and they didn't charge a service call fee and it was $70 an hour plus, plus material. Hmm. And uh, I don't know, I was making like 15 an hour or something. And then went to Vegas and you know met Ken Goodrich and Lance Fernandez who – Man, realistically, as I look back, I think the biggest thing that happened there for me, <clears throat> which I recently talked to um, Matt Buckwalter, our boss here, the owner here, about was that Ken and Lance were the first peop- you know, men outside of family that were like, you're something special. Like, you, you're going to go somewhere. You're going to do big things. Never really heard that before. Never really thought that I could, never heard that I could. It never had crossed my mind other than just wanting to get out of Detroit. And I remember what a big deal that made for me. So I was like, you know, and then that first year, I don't know, I made like 80,000 and then 90 and then 100 and like never looked back. But I, you know, what, what, what did you make the year before I took over? I had made, it was 85 or 87. And you, you were sure you were going to go backwards? Oh, yeah. Like, I I mean, I was going to leave here, and there's no way I was making making that much anywhere else doing what we were doing. I mean, that, that was breaking records for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, you know, and I, <clears throat> I saw that what a mentor could do for a, for a skilled tradesman who was hungry and willing to work and had integrity but also had drive and was willing to push and, um, you know, put himself – in uncomfortable situations and was coachable and by coachable everybody thinks you mean um you know I like cool quotes and pats on the back that's not what coachable means coachable means I'm going to tell you some really hard crap to go do and you're not going to lie to me and tell me you did it because I'm not on the call with you you're going to go do it and it's not going to work or it is going to work and you're going to come back out and say hey I said what you said to say 
It didn't work. Here's what they said. And then I'm going to give you another one to go do. <laughs> and you're going to, you know, being coachable means you're, you're willing to go outside your comfort zone with somebody telling you to who has been in your shoes before and knows what this movie looks like. And I was coachable. Jamie was the first person I had seen in the Sparky division who was coachable. I mean, it was within a couple of weeks that we were like, I was like, this is going to be my star pupil, not just in Sparky, but period. Like you were so hungry, hungrier than even I was um, and willing to try anything. I mean, I remember saying that early on, like, you know, I'm even learning selling more out of a truck because I'll tell Jamie to do things that I had never done. I just think it would be cool to try <laughs> and he'll go right in there and, and say it and do it. And I don't, you know, I never sent you in to say things that were offensive or would get you kicked out of a call. It was just like, let's try one more time. Let's try one more time. It was just new stuff, stuff I had never done before. And yeah, your, your point to, to being a good coach and a mentor is, is spot on. I mean, you know, I've had that with through athletics and stuff growing up. Um, you know, of course, like grandfathers and my father have been great mentors in life, but you know, in the end of like the trades and like, you know, career path, stuff like this, uh, it's just, yeah. Like you, you helped push me knowing that, you know, we'll figure it out together. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I was selling vicariously through Jamie. <laughs> Well, we're hoping to take and channel some of that uh, knowledge and skill that you have developed through the years and uh, in many ways, thanks to Brian's mentorship and reveal a couple of those behind the curtain ideas for our listening audience today. And so we want to focus in on the concept of a safety check. So why Mm -hmm. don't you explain in your words, Jamie, how you describe what you do to a client who would be asking like, well, what is this all about? Or when you show up in the home, Obviously, they know they have an appointment, but they right. may not have the clearest understanding as to what you're going to be doing today. How yeah. do you express what a safety check is? Yeah. So um, it really starts off like, again, these paradigm shifts of kind of shifting their mindset as to what I'm actually doing. Um, so one thing that I've learned from Brian over the years is, is speaking with analogies to get people to relate to what you're doing. And so the best way that I've described to people, and this is within the first minutes at the call, kind of setting the standards of what we're going to do uh, is I describe it like, you know, getting the oil changed in your car. Truly nothing that I do is like rocket science. I mean, it might feel like that if you've never done it and aren't experienced in it, but like for the tradesmen's, what we do on a maintenance is not really that, that hard. Uh, And so when I explain that, it's like getting the oil changed in your car. It's not real hard to do if you know what you're doing but it is very important to do. And why use that analogy specifically? Everybody gets their oil changed or at least has knows about an oil change. You know, heck, there's a lot of people that do that at home that aren't mechanics. You know, it's not hard to do. But everybody pretty much understands that if you don't change your oil, you're going to damage your your car. Uh, it's just it's not good. Um, and so when I put it in those frames of like, you know, I'm not here to just inspect, you know, with my eyes and find things to nitpick for you. Like I'm here to do a legit tune up maintenance maximizer, as we call them here, um, where like the work that I'm doing is improving the safety, the function of your system. So maybe it's semantics, maybe it's not, but what's in a name? 
right? So, I mean, you've, in that dialogue right there, you interchanged several words, Mm -hmm. check, inspection, maintenance, tune up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Have you found that one word or or term resonates better with clients than others? I've been finding that they do love the term maximizers, um, you know, because we are there to maximize their system. Um, I find a lot of people initially will be like, "Well, well, no, you're just here for an inspection. And I tend to try to stop them at that point and, and say, I'd like to view it more like a maintenance or a maximizer is what we call it. But what I'm actually here to do is I'm maintaining your system. I'm not going through, like when I think of inspection, and I, and I even tell people this, is like when I think of an inspection, I think of someone, you know, like an inspector agency coming through and being like, oh, this needs change, this needs change. Like they're just visually looking for things to nitpick. That's not my goal here. If that's what you want me to do, by all means, I can do it. But what I have found is that most people, they want to make sure things are safe and that it is running and maintained properly. Um, You know, just like your car engine. I mean, we want to make sure that you're not getting old oil in there that's making your engine run harder, cause more wear and tear. So actually what I'm going to do specifically for the electrical is I'm going to go through and I'm tightening connections in your panel. They're going to slowly loosen up over time Uh, We're going to keep that tuned up, good connections, things running smooth. I am also going to be going through, taking a look at everything else in your home. We're going to make sure that nothing crazy is happening. There's a lot that we can see that might give us some insight into what's going on behind the walls, things like that. Um, And so most clients come at it thinking of the inspection. And typically when they bring that up, I try to to shift that mindset right then and there that like, no, actually, uh, like I'm here to do maintenance um it's just i think it's it changes their perspective as to what i'm even there to do intentionally Mm -hmm. right because you're trying to position yourself opposite of the inspector you don't want to be the bad guy because most people most people would view the inspector as the bad guy who's just going to point out all the bad things yeah uh, you want to be viewed more as the consultant Mm -hmm. the advocate the person that's on the same side of the table as the client and your opposition is the home. Right. Yeah. I I like to look at myself as an advisor, you know? Um, I mean, there's a lot of people in our industry that have financial advisors. They're not the bad guys, the bank saying, no, you don't get a loan or things like that. You're just going to them for advice because they deal with money. They know more than what you do. Um, and so my goal in the home is to be a trusted advisor. Is there a certain level of ignorance that you have to overcome? And I don't mean that disparagingly to clients, but Helping a, helping a client understand what you do and why it matters and, mm-hmm. and even even the names and, and terms that you use for the tools and the pieces of the electrical system, you know, it, to a lot of people, it's all very out there. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, you just go do what you need to do. You know, do you have to combat against that? Do you intentionally educate them through the process to help them understand what you are doing and why it matters? Or do you just kind of go do your thing and then come back? Oh, no, I'm intentionally walking them through and explaining why it matters. I mean, if you go in there and you just go straight to like, oh, I'm just going to go do my thing. It's a maintenance, you know, but they don't fully understand what you're there to do or what, you know, your intent or even for you to understand what their intent of what they want you to do. You know, it's, it's this thing of mutual mystification that we talk about here where, you know, making sure that everybody is on the, the same page. Um, yeah. Right. 
And I think that is a great place to start, Jamie, because a lot of clients are on the same page when any professional technician, electrician, or plumber shows up at the door, which is, I don't know what's going on here. I just know that I called you to fix it mm-hmm. or I called you to take care of it or I called you to do it. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's more the hands off philosophy. Like that's yep. why you're here. Yep. And yet why are you at the home? You're at the home, not because something is currently going wrong, although there may be something. Right. You're at the home because either they are part of a, a club membership mm-hmm. where they're paying for basically annual maintenance or because somewhere along the, the way somebody said, hey, you should probably get a couple of these things evaluated or or system check or just do it once over to make sure everything's up to snuff, you know, up to code, et cetera. Uh, and so they're not, the client isn't really in the position of I'm expecting a repair. I'm expecting a fix. Yeah. What, well, let's start there. How do you think the client is interpreting why you're in the home? What are they expecting? Well, uh, I run a lot of first time maintenances, um, meaning that Mr. Sparky has not been there yet. Um, and quite honestly, a lot of times they don't, didn't even realize they had the electrical plan. Um, and so most of the time what they're thinking, like even if they are aware that like they have this and you know, they, they weren't, maybe they were intentional of adding the electrical plan and you know, they were seeking it out hard. Um, their thought process a lot of times when I get in there is kind of my impression of it is, is that of a home inspector. Like that's their initial thought that I'm just going to come through, look at it and, you know, either one tell them, Hey, you're good. Or yeah. I mean, very rarely do I run into something where they are expecting anything to be wrong. I mean, most of the time in their minds, everything's working. Right. And that is, that's the crux of this conversation. Yeah. Because you are able to get $2.8 million from people who think that nothing is wrong. Yeah. And so there's going to be a lot of people that hear that statement and say, well, this guy's ripping people off. Yeah. There's no way, no way that's possible without lying, cheating, stealing, or I can't wait to talk to those guys on Facebook. Like I do every time. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a good time. Yeah. Uh, that guy doesn't belong on your podcast. He belongs in jail. <laughs> Good looking. Telling car. everybody their house is going to burn down. Yeah. Like look. the angriest, just old school, like fix the 45 year old Zinsco panel. And like, yeah. Oh, or, oh that or, mindset. I'm like, stop, just stop. Or the guy that's like, oh, well, you can just scrub off that corrosion from the water damage that's been pouring into please your panel for go years. Greet people at Walmart, please. <laughs> um, yeah, like it, the transition and, and the big part of that is like when they're, they're expecting that nothing is wrong, it's getting them in the mindset that like, changing their perspective of what is right and what is wrong. And so specifically for electrical, when people have power, they assume everything's working right and it's doing its job. Um, And it's actually pretty far from the truth with that. Like, yes, you have power, but like your main electrical system at its heart is, you know, your panel specifically is that of safety. Uh, It's to turn power off. And so when we, we do that paradigm shift of like your electric in your home 
is actually not the the engine that gets you going. That does just because you have an engine doesn't mean your car is good to go. Um, you, your your main panel, your breakers, they're they're the brakes of your home, and so we're going to make sure that they're running correctly. And I get a lot of people that are like, "Oh well, my breakers never trip. It's been working great." Well, that that that's good. That that doesn't mean that it's all all working right though. You know, when breakers are, they do trip randomly sometimes and they do trip, you know, for a reason. And if you've never experienced that, that does raise some red flags to me that, that your panel's not doing its job. I I like the, uh, again, another paradigm shift there where you're not looking at electricity as the engine, right? You mentioned it as the brakes. Mm -hmm. So dive into that one a little bit for us. What what do you mean by that, Nate? The the analogy and how that yeah. re- like how do you turn that into the client's head so that they understand? Oh, okay, I never really thought about that before. Mm. Like, do you continue with that analogy? I, I've heard oh. some uses of the brakes before. Yeah, yeah, I use that pretty extensively. So, you know, when when we're in really typically even in the doorway and we're walking through what I'm going through and what they're you know even asking them what they're looking for out of me from my maintenance. Uh, we, we end up getting to the point of like talking about most people, all they're looking for is to make sure things are safe. It's like, perfect. That That's where my heart is. Like, you know, if you want all these extra cool doodad gadget stuff, like, of course I can talk to you about them. Uh, they're, they're pretty cool and exciting, but most people, they just want to make sure that there's a level of safety in the home. And so where that starts, you know, and, and I walk people through this, I go, I go right back to the car analogy and say that, you know, this is like your car, okay? You can go out, you can start it up right now. You might have power, but we need to make sure that when you're rolling down that road, your brakes don't give out on you and you end up in a ditch. And so what we're going to do here today is we're going to go through and I'm going to make sure the brakes of your system look good. I'm going to go through, I'm going to check and make sure that there's no cuts, tears in your brake lines. Um, and really just making sure that heaven forbid something does happen in your home, we're going to have adequate braking power. Beautiful. The system that is designed to stop you on the road mm-hmm. is in good working order. Yep. Something's going to trip before something if, before something happens. happens. Yeah, and most of the time that catastrophic happen isn't, you know, clients in their own mind, they go right to fire hazard. And that's not something we talk about here. Um, you know, it's not something that I'm putting in clients' <clears throat> minds because – you know, we, we say we don't say the F word. We avoid the F word. Not is, only do we say we don't say it, what happens if it's said? If it is said, like if the client specifically says, well, well, this is a fire hazard. We have policies in place where, where we literally, I stop that conversation and I say, before we go on here, we, we do need to just real, and like I, I literally stop the conversation. It's like, hold on here a second. We, the way we operate is we don't use that F word. Okay. You brought this up. I will answer your question that, that it is a small, small possibility. Like it it could, it's very unlikely, but anytime someone brings up this F word fire, right? I'm going to call my manager. His name's John. We're going to get him on the phone and we're just going to make sure everybody's on the same page that like, I'm not in here going through trying to fear monger and, and do these things. Like you asked a legit question and we can legit answer it. Um, but we just want to make sure like we're so sensitive with that, 
word because, you know, we're not going through telling people that. And so we have just, you know, these, these extra things in place. And when we call John, it, it just, it, the, the conversation goes smooth. Um, and the clients were like, well, yeah, like, you know, we brought it up and John's just, he's just, it's that, you know, heck with an AC system, right? If we're condemning a system because of a, a gas leak or a Freon leak or whatever. Carbon monoxide. Yep. Cracked heat exchanger. We get a second opinion. Like it's just, it's just the professional thing to do. And John, yeah. John is a service manager, just for uh, clarity. Sir, right. John is our service manager. He's also a master electrician, been in the trades for, I don't know what, 20 some years. Um, dude's a top notch professional. Yeah, and a no-nonsense dude. Like, if you're doing something that you should be, he will hold the type of service manager who does not want to hear the word fire mentioned on a call, even by the homeowner. So it's it. it, So it's getting him, and it's the same in one hour, and it would be the same in in the uh, plumbing division. Although this isn't something we deal with too much, but where now somebody has to either get on FaceTime and see it or get on the phone and know that it wasn't said or come out in person and actually verify that, wow, this is an actual, like, uh, potential actual fire hazard because we're not throwing that term around loosely. Um, Mm -mm. And if it is mentioned, it it needs to be verified by a service manager. And I love how you pause the conversation at that point because that's really, again, another shift where you're putting yourself in the advocate camp of the client rather than the big, bad, scary electrician who starts throwing around fire words, right? Yeah. It's not scare tactic stuff. No, but but there is reality to it. And so, you know, a lot of people are aware of like, oh, home electrical fires. And so the clients, you know, they're already thinking that in the back of their mind if there's a safety issue that you do bring to them, whether you say it or not. The the big thing, though, and this is, the again, the paradigm shift that I have with the clients is, is in the grand scheme of things, you asked me that direct question, is it a possibility? Yes, it is. But the reality of that is so small. There's so many other bad things that have to happen before we get to that level that, like, there's going to be way more warning signs. And that typically starts, you know, um, I mean, call that I was at the other day, the outlet was literally, had, had charred. Like, it, it was melted. The breakers were not tripping. They were plugging a space heater into it. It melted the outlet. The wiring in the wall had started to melt. And the breakers never tripped. Now, you let that go for who knows how long. Yeah, you could get to the point of fire, right? But there were tons of warning signs, other damages that happened well before that. And 99.9% of the time, it'll get so bad that the wiring will melt and finally dead short that the break, even a bad breaker will trip, you know, um, that we never do get to that F word, <laughs> to, to a fire happening. Um, and so when I explain things like that to a client that like, you know, yes, it is a possibility, but like, this is what typically happens instead. There is a sense of like, you know, I mean, anybody that's been in the trades, I mean, I've never personally been in a home that has literally the whole thing burnt down from an electrical fire. Does it happen? Yes. But I have been in a ton of homes where outlets and my wiring have melted to the point where they're charred and we need to rewire. Like those are the likely things. I was in a home where the electrical had, <clears throat> we talked about this several yeah. years, actually when I was still in a truck, like right before I got out of a truck. It's no joke. I had a seven-year-old daughter and the uh, homeowner that I was speaking to, 
I don't want to say her name, but I remember her face and name like it was this morning and it was, I don't know, 10, it was 10 years ago. It was a decade ago. It's my daughter 17 now. She said, uh, I don't remember why we were talking about it. She just pointed up the steps and say, and said, um, oh, I was doing the plumbing maintenance, I think. And I said, is there any room you want me to steer clear of? And she said, well, the, that bedroom upstairs. And I said, well, I don't go into any bedrooms unless there's a bathroom there. And she said, uh, yeah, that's my daughter's room. And I said, hey, no problem. No, I, I won't go anywhere near it. And she said she passed away from a house fire. And I was just like, oh. And she said she was seven, and I went, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. My daughter is seven. And uh, we just chatted for a little while, and she said she had some faulty wiring installed by a handyman that burned the second floor of her house, and she and her husband were trying to run up the steps and get her daughter out. And the fire was so bad they couldn't. And I was like, ugh. I came to the shop the next day. I'm just looking at the electricians like, (laughs) look. You guys got a serious job to do, man. Like, I couldn't. I mean, I was just devastated. I wanted to take yeah. the next day off. I was like so uh, just emotionally beat up from chatting with her. And it was a, it was a few years earlier, but they still hold that room like sacred. Like, I can't, I imagine. I don't know what I imagine. I, I that's not something I can really yeah. comprehend. But well, and and not to interrupt here a whole lot, Brian. But like, there's a point that you made there that that is that is huge. Like the job that we do specifically as electricians, but even as tradesmen and the professionals in the home, like there is a level of like importance there that like, you know, doing what we do is no joke. Like if there is something that can cause an issue in that home, especially even to, to that level, right? Like it is our, our job and our duty to at least take it seriously. You know, that that's not a fear tactic to say like, you know, everybody's house is burning down and every seven-year-old is going to, you know, you know, pass away and something like that. But, like, stuff happens. I don't. I never got the info on what exactly happened there. <clears throat> I never found out what happened to the handyman. I have no idea how that went. But I, I, I do know that it was only a couple more months maybe that I ran calls. Mm-hmm. But I started seeing things like, uh, you know, vents, water heater venting slightly disconnected where carbon monoxide could link in and there's no carbon monoxide detect. And I started getting way more serious about how I approached that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was someone who, as I trained you, n- never used fear. I ha- I couldn't mm-hmm. stand guys who used fear tactics because I'm like the upgrade, you know, like upgrading your system is so sellable. Yeah. People don't want old crappy anything mm-hmm. in their home. So such a large percentage of people that when you're just like, look at this old rusted out, beat up looking panel with moisture in it. Like when's the last time you upgraded this thing? Like never. Should I? Well, open it up. Look inside. Tell me. Oh yeah. What's it going to take to get that thing out of here? Mm-hmm. Like That's all it takes. And show them an upgrade. Show them yep. a system that works better. But man, when you find something that's actually truly a danger... Better be bringing it up to that person. Dude, I, I wish you guys, like, I wish the people listening to this podcast could see a picture from when I was at yesterday. Uh, the amount of water damage and corrosion on the main lugs in the panel. The the one was caked in white oxidation. And the right-hand lug literally was missing spots from molten metal. Like, it, it was insane. Um 
and the clients, I brought the clients down and showed them and they're like, well, we've never seen this before. And they're like, but we wouldn't have, right? Because we don't open the, the cover. Like you can't see it from just the outside. Like, yeah, the outside of your panel looks fine. As soon as they saw the inside, they were like, oh my goodness. Uh, my brother's an electrician. Let, let's touch base with him as well. So we got, turns out he was a retired electrician. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I, I imagine just how many hundreds of eyes rolled when you said brothers and electrician, <laughs> and then you said retired electrician. They all went, oh, okay, good. Yeah, but even that, like I called it out before we even called him. I was like, you know, just so that you're aware, I mean, if he's a retired electrician, if he hears our prices, he's probably still back at when he was doing things. He's going to be shocked the cost of the price and lo and behold he was and they kind of blew their brother off with the price thing and they're like we're going with you we want you you That's know a nice little uh audit you did there. yeah, I, but yeah. Listen, accusations you, audit you well know done. it's you know it's gonna happen like you know brother does electric and they hear what what we have to charge to do it right and through a professional company and he's gonna be like oh i, I could have done that on the side for x y and z you know so I prepped them for it. I'm like, I'm just going to tell you, like, if that's what you're looking for, obviously you guys know that's not us, but I'm sure he's going to bring that up. That's the true uh, sign of a veteran right there, Jamie. Well done, because a lot of people would, are going to run across that same scenario today where the client they're talking to, you know, they've identified a, a real, real issue. Mm -hmm. And the client's like, oh, well, you know, my so-and-so, or I know somebody or whatever, they mm -hmm. used to do this or they do this on the side or whatever. Let, let's call them. And then it's just like, well, there went that one. Well, so, I mean, if we want to dissect. And you, ha and you have been beat by that before. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, the big thing with this, like, if we want to dissect that call, I already knew about the brother that was an electrician. Like, within the first minutes of being at the call. Because part of the, the process that I do on a maintenance is as we're going through here, you know, one of the questions that I asked them is that if there is anything that we run into that's of a concern, is that something that you'd like me to let you know about? And 99% of the time, of course they say yes. Well, well yeah, like we want to know. Awesome. Not a problem. Is there anybody else that's going to want to know about it as well? And you're doing that up front. Oh, yeah. Within the first couple minutes of the call. Um you know, we're, we're setting that expectation that like, you know, hey, everything looks good. Cool. Not a problem. This is what I'm going to go through. This is what I'm looking for for safety stuff. If there is anything that comes up that that's of a concern or that I think would be a benefit to you, is that something you'd like to know about? I mean, I'm getting their authorization up front. That has, way, it, has anybody ever said no? I have people that are a little hesitant. Um, the This specific client was a, was hesitant. They're like, well... I mean, yeah, like, you can tell us, but, like, please don't tell us any bad news. Okay. Well, yeah. What's your response to that? I said, my response to them was, I'll, I'll do what I can, um, but if there is something serious, do you want me to, like, I reiterate, like, do you want me to let you know? Or do you want me to just do my maintenance and roll out of here? So, in, in, um, in a typical service call, mm -hmm. where something is wrong, and the client's well aware of it, hence they called. Right they're already at an anxious state, mm -hmm. right? And so they're like, how much is this going to be? How much is this yep. going to cost? How long is this going to take? How painful is the, you know, the process, et cetera. Mm -hmm. In your typical electrical safety call, mm -hmm. don't you think that that statement 
creates anxiety where there was none to begin with? Uh, no, maybe a little bit of anticipation of if there is something going on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like at mm-hmm. the beginning, when you arrive there, they're, yeah. they're thinking nothing's wrong. So oh, yeah. he's just going to do his thing and then he'll go home. Yeah. And now you're saying, well, hang on, there could be things wrong. Mm-hmm. And the client is now like, well, oh, I didn't really think about that before. I don't come in the door and first thing be like, hey, if there's anything I find here that I think you should do, you know, uh, so there's a process to this. Uh, You know, there's in-house training that we that we focused on here quite a lot and that it really sets things up. So what it starts off with is, is, is we're grateful to be there. I mean, the the client has to understand that. and, And even like I have to understand for me, like being in a place of gratitude um, and so that sets the start of the call off, right? Then we go into the expectations for the call, what they're looking for out of it, what my expectations for the call and what we're looking for out of that, what I'm looking to do. And part of then what I'm looking to do and what I'm going to do with my maintenance is I walk them through truly like what we're looking for. We're going to go through, we're going to tune up your panel, tighten connections, go through the, like I'm, I'm skipping through this here pretty quickly, but go through the analogy of the oil change in the car, right? Um, at that point, then there's, there's a couple big things that we're checking for for safety. We're checking to make sure there's no water damage in your panel. Water and electricity don't mix, right? And everybody's like, oh yeah, that's, that's not good. Awesome. Additionally with that, we're checking to make sure there's you know, no, no burning, no, no crazy excessive, like dangerous manufacturers of panels, things like that. And we walk through, you know, specifically what that looks like and what kind of those brands are said, you know, you said nothing, you're having any issues. That means my life is going to be a lot easier. Um, we're going to be in and out of here. I'll tune you up. We should be squared away. If there is anything though, um, that does show up, is that something you want me to let you know about? See, I love the tone and the positioning that you're doing there with your words and, and how you're you're conditioning the client's understanding of your purpose. Mm-hmm. Again, you're you're working with with the client, yeah. not against the client. The the home, the electrical failures, the the poor wiring, the the bad receptacles, the backstabbed outlets, uh, the <clears throat> the bad breakers. Yeah. Those are the enemies. Yeah. Right. You're here to help defeat the enemy. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, as you get into this, like, you'll learn to pick up on the cues of like someone being a little uneasy about something, you know, so if you sense any of that, where like, you know, that you can feel that unease and and sense that in them, bringing, calling it out right then and there and saying, listen, like, you know, it sounds like everything's good. If something does come up, I just want you to know it by no means means that you have to do anything with this. I'm here for you. Like, if there's something I see, of course, like, you want me to let you know, I will. But that doesn't mean that, like, you have to do anything. Like, we're here for you. I'll, I'll help give you some advice if you'd like. Um, use us. Use somebody else, you know. And typically what, you know, I'll do, and if there is anything that does come up here, right, I'll break it down into different levels for you. Uh, typically the way that I do that is I break it down into red, yellow, green, Okay. Red is something that like, oh my goodness, like do it now, whether that's, and, and truly guys, like, I, and this is the way I talk to the clients is like, truly guys, like that doesn't mean you have to use us, use us, use a friend of the family that is certified and a licensed electrician, use some other company, please like, don't tell my boss I'm saying that, but like the, the red items is like, however you can manage to get it done, 
it needs done. Okay. The yellow, that's going to be something that like, guys, this is, this is a safety thing that like we're going to want to plan for and get done as soon as you can. And then a green is something that's really just going to benefit you, your system, um, just make things run better. And so guys, I feel like there's a little unease here, you know, of something coming up. If there is anything that shows up, I'll put it into one of those three levels and I'll help you walk you through. Um, and at that point, the information is yours, uh, what you choose to do with that. Um, that's up to you guys. So a couple uh, schools of thought there, Jamie, that I want to dive into. And one is the, the issues that have been longstanding mm-hmm. but have been inconvenient to address in the past. So how many times do you walk into the home and there's a, a switch that isn't working or a receptacle that isn't working or a light mm-hmm. that isn't working and they know it. Mm-hmm. They just didn't take the time or, you know, it was inconvenient or, yeah. you know, they forgot about it or mm-hmm. whatever. Does that happen frequently? <laughs> All the time. Uh, I think electrical is one of those trades that like people are just accustomed to, oh, we just don't use that outlet anymore. Right. Yeah. Because there's 50 other ones in the home. Unlike a heating system, like if something doesn't work, they don't have heating or cooling. Their hot water heater doesn't work. They don't have hot water. Um, you know, so it's one of those things that I see a lot of people, they just, they're a little nuisance and they, they honestly have forgotten about them most of the time. And so how do you parlay that, what you find there? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I found that a receptacle wasn't working. Oh yeah, it was the one that I knew that in the hallway. Mm-hmm. How do you draw that into the conversation then? Yeah. Um, so again, this this a lot of times happens up front or, or very shortly. And that that's through the, the question of is as I'm going through, you know, this is what I'm doing, right? So we, we went through that. Is there one, any rooms you'd like me to stay out of? I want to know, like, I don't want to go in somewhere where I'm not right. Supposed to be. Uh, So I asked that question. Then the immediate follow-up is guys, is there anything that you're having any issues with? Like maybe an outlet that hasn't worked for years or a light that flickers, you know, uh, is there anything that you have any concerns or anything that isn't working that I should be aware of? And so, like, when I bring that up, even if they've forgotten about it, it jogs their memory. Like, oh, yeah, we have that outlet over in that room. That hasn't worked for years, you know. Um, And so, like, I'm initiating that thought process and I'm bringing that up versus finding it on the back end and then being like, oh, yeah, we've never worried about that. What about, uh, like, warning signs like uh you know extension cords running through the living room or mm-hmm. across the garage wall something like that where you're like why why do yeah you know, what's with the 25 foot orange cord here yeah uh, do you find those types of things and bring them to the attention most definitely so those are the type of things that you know as i'm going through the house either like i'm checking in with the client or like things like that and if i see that i'll say like you know hey guys i saw you were running an extension cord um any reason for that like do we not have enough like were we missing an outlet? Was there something not working? Uh, and most of the time it's, it, it is because they didn't have an outlet in that area where they wanted their deep freezer to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course you can put that into your, your uh, red, green, yellow is yep. like some things that uh, we could certainly address and, and make far more convenient and or safe for you today. Yeah. And that's where like that specific topic, that's going to bridge the gap between green and yellow. Like it's not like, I know we're not supposed to use extension cords and kind of whole nine yards, but if it if it's a heavy duty one and it is the breaker panels doing its job with arc fault breakers and you know there's less of a concern, still not good, right? Still something that in that yellow that we should address, 
but also the green of not having to trip over extension cords and even just worry about the potential hazard sure. is that's where the green convenience and nice to have type things um, that are, they're, they're really going to benefit from. Now, Jamie, I, I have to do a little bit of mental math here, but uh, the quick stats say that you didn't get to $2.8 million on receptacles, switches, and a couple lights not working. No. Most so, of the time I do that stuff for free. That would have been like $2.2 million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And when I say I do that stuff for free, that's stuff that we wrap into a package for them. So let's, let's start there. Where is the bulk of the money coming from? It is coming from panel replacements, re-devices, so changing out the switches and outlets in the home, um, and surge protection. Uh, in the surge protector, the smoke detectors, things like that. Don't really do, I personally don't really do any whole home generators. We'll do like a generator transfer switch for like a portable one here or there, but it is panels and re-devices. Sure. How much solar it. have you done this year? Zero. How many generators? Whole home generators, zero. Yeah, cool. Just making sure. Yeah. I think I've helped someone do a couple transfer switches because that is a nice to have. It's a nice backup. But we're talking, you know, 30%, to 10% of the cost of the panel jobs that we're doing. And I've done maybe a couple of them this year. I mean, it's it's nothing. And, and true or false, the majority of the clients you see on a daily basis are expecting to spend money today. Oh, that's false. They're yeah. expecting to spend nothing. So how do you get somebody who says, ah, I feel like I'm not going to spend a dime today mm-hmm. to spend thousands of dollars on a panel? What they say is, hey, you're just here to do the maintenance. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to have anything done today. They warn you up front mm-hmm. when you're a, when you're a quote unquote maintenance man, which I was largely a, a maintenance call running technician as well. They, and I'm only saying this for the techs listening out there who go, of course I didn't get anything on this job. They told me when I got there that they weren't buying anything today. <laughs> and what did what you know? What have we talked about? What is that? That's a defense mechanism. They're buyers. They just happen to be buyers. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't want to use the analogy we always use because it's probably not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, look, we're still going to keep it PG, but yeah. it's, you know, you're on a date. As a, you know, young uh, man on the prowl, you're on it. You're going on a first date and the woman just goes for the third time. I'm telling you now, I would not sleep with you on the first date. <laughs> At some point you go, I wonder why she keeps saying this. Yep. <laughs> Same reason Nate does. Uh, I'm not even going to comment on that. If only there was a video camera in here where you could see these guys' faces right now. Nate, Nate blushing again. Here he goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, to, to answer the question, Nate, it, it starts with overwhelming appreciation for even just one, my job, two, them having me out there. Um, you know, just it sets that tone for the call. The second thing is, is as, as part of this process is coming alongside the client, um, they're expecting to spend $0, right? As part of this upfront contract, if we want to call it that, the, the discussion that we're having, setting the expectations for the call is I am getting their authorization upfront. They're telling me that they want me to bring things to them if something comes up. 
Hey, I'm sorry, but we're going to cut it short here, and you're going to have to listen to the rest of this podcast in part two. Don't worry, it's only a week away, and I'm sure it will bring a lot of content along with it. In fact, we're going to get into some of the role play conversations, and we're really looking forward to that. But in the meantime, take what you have learned today with James' podcast and apply it. A lot of great mind shifts, paradigm shifts, a lot of great perspectives of how you should be viewing maintenance, inspections, and tune-ups in the home. And I don't care what trade you're from. I think the ideas that Jamie brought forward today have application universally. We hope that this podcast has application in your life, and we thank you for your reviews, your comments, and of course, any ideas or suggestions that you have. Please let us know. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to bring more good content to you. For right now, though, we want to leave you with our weekly challenge, which is always to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.